there's usually a way to do things. I mean, it may be hard. Um, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to discount people's um, experiences or discount people's situations in life. Um, but depending on what it is, uh, if it's something like this, if it's creative, the beautiful thing about creativity, if that's something you want to do, you can make time for it. So like if it's drawing or if it's writing or if it's singing, you know, you can do that at home. You are listening to The Jovial, Justin Sis. Okay, Justin, it seems like you're an educated man. You love learning about history. You did an internship at the Smithsonian. You have a master's in anthropology. So what caused you to involve yourself in the performing arts? I've always been drawn to the performative arts since I was a little child. Um, I always thought that portraying characters and um, telling stories in that format was a very interesting way of performance and storytelling. Um, I found myself in anthropology first, but uh, while I was pursuing my undergraduate degree, I got the idea to make a YouTube docu-series that was talking about cultural importance of stories that we may now in modernity classify as paranormal or supernatural. So how these, how these stories can affect different cultures in different ways and what it means to believe in these things. And while I was making that, I got involved with the writing process, the casting, uh, some acting, hosting, and video editing, basically the whole gambit at once. At the beginning, I was just using my friends that thought it was really cool. And then as I went on, I started meeting people that were involved with acting. And I was like, hey, you know, this has kind of always been, you know, like a, a dream in the back of my mind. Uh, how did, you know, just asking them, how did you get involved? Where do you go? How do you find out about castings? And then they told me about it. And it after that, I caught the acting bug and uh, haven't stopped since. That was about seven or eight years ago. Awesome. Well, you did a lot of stage work. You've been in Pocahontas, Pirates of Penzance, Jekyll and Hyde the Musical, Much Ado About Nothing, and many others. So what attracts you to performing live? There's something about performing live that you just, that it's just not the same as film. I'm not going to say it's better or worse. They're, they're both equally wonderful in their own right. Um, I started out in film and found theater later. Um, it's being able to get up there on stage and be in character for, you know, 90 minutes, two hours, however long the, the stage production is, is just so interesting. It's so immersive because there's never a cut. So um, you have to be in character the entire time which is very rewarding. And then, of course, at the very end, you get that reaction that I think you have to wait for in film. So in film, when you're, you know, you, you go act and then you have to wait for the editing to happen. They have to wait for filming to end. And then you go to the screening and then you see that reaction. Um, it's a bit of a delayed reaction. Yeah. So with stage, you get that immediate reaction. And it just feels so good that you made people's day. Like they came out, they had a great time. They're laughing, they're crying, whatever the subject matter is. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just, it's a different feeling than film. Um, I would recommend any actor, if you haven't done theater, try it out. Because it definitely tests your ability as an actor when it comes to memorization, being in character, and, and things like that. 
So it sounds thrilling, but it also sounds nerve wracking. So how do you calm your nerves down before a performance or before even an audition? I think what's really important is the rehearsal process in theater that you don't necessarily get in film. During the rehearsal process, you're building a relationship with the other people in the show. You know, you become friends, you become acquaintances or, you know, however far that relationship goes. And I think by the time you put it on, you guys have done this so much that it's become like a collective event. So it's almost like you're not performing as yourself, if that makes sense. You're a bunch of friends and a bunch of, of colleagues getting up there and performing. And I think the rehearsal process definitely helps because you do it so many times that it gets ingrained in you. And I'm not going to lie, the lights help too, because you almost can never see the audience. <laughs> if it's a well-lit stage, you can usually only see about the first couple rows, but you don't see the the uh, vastness that is in, in audience. Um, so that also helps. I won't lie about that. Yes. Well, you've been bloodied up for several projects, but have you had an actual on-screen death yet? Oh, yeah, I've had a lot. Really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's almost, I have a, I have another colleague, she does some acting and she does um, like seamstress work. And uh, she said, um, I'm going to see if I can quote her correctly. She goes, your acting is great, but you die really well. <laughs> so have you been shot or stabbed or what are, what are your primary ways of dying? I don't know if I'm trying to be the new Sean Bean or not. That's not my goal, but I've been shot where I had a gaping hole in my, in my chest. Oh, yeah, I've been, um, this one was fun. I was supernaturally pulled into a trash can and shredded to bits. Oh, no! That was fun. How else have I died? Well, I don't know if that one counts. I was already dead when I was on screen, so I was kind of like a ghost. But I was pulled apart in one scene where, like, my body's crawling on the ground, but my, uh, my lower half is still sitting on a bench. That's cool. Yeah. I did want to ask you if you've been bloodied up in real life performing any of your own stunts on set. <laughs> yes. I was doing a, it was a horror feature that I was in. And I was, I was playing one of the, the dumb teenagers and that, you, that you see in the, in the horror movies. Yep. And so uh, I was running from the main house to like a little guest house to try to get someone else's attention because the monster was attacking us. And they told me, when you go to the door, just, you know, eat it really hard. You know, you're scared, et cetera, et cetera. You're not, you know, you're just, you're trying to get somebody's attention. What they didn't tell me was that it was a very old door, which means that the window on the door was single pane glass. Um, oh. Yeah, they didn't tell me that part. So when I was running, I just, I hauled off and just started banging on this door. But what happened was, is because it was thin glass, my hand went straight through the window of the door. Oh, yeah. yeah. Luckily, I was fine. But it was funny because the, what was funny about it, now I can say it's funny. Um, what was funny about it was it was just me and the other act and the other main actress in the movie. And she saw it happen. And we looked at each other. And we were like, oh, crap. Because this was someone's house. I was like, oh, no, I just broke their window. And then, um, right. yeah, and so we looked at each other, but no one else saw it happen. They just thought that I hit the door. They didn't hear it. They didn't see it or anything. So I'm like looking to the director, like, what do I do? And she didn't see it. So the director was telling me like, oh, just keep going. And I'm like, okay. So because <laughs> she didn't see my hand. So she didn't know that I was all bloodied up. So I just kept hitting the door. <laughs> 
<laughs> and then afterwards they came over and they're like, oh my gosh, what happened to your hand? And I was like, oh, it went through the window. I tried to look at you and they're like, I am so sorry. I didn't know that's what you were doing. And I'm like, well, uh, the show must go on. Luckily I was fine. I didn't need any stitches or anything, but it was for the rest of the shoot, there, the, there was a joke of Justin's not allowed to do his own stunts anymore. That's crazy, man. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to shift gears now. You used to weigh about 300 pounds. So was it people making fun of you that caused you to make a change? No. So actually, when I lost the weight, I actually went to all of my loved ones and I said, how did you let me get to that point? Like, I wish you all had said something. My doctor scared the bejesus out of me. That's what happened. Okay. So it was a health scare more so than people commenting. Yeah, no, actually people were, they actually didn't say anything, which was, which I'm, I'm grateful that no one uh, bullied me about it to, you know, bully somebody that may have an issue or, or may, you know, have something else going on, or this is how they're coping. That's just going to make it worse and exacerbate it. That's not going to help anything by making fun of people. This is actually around the time I was shooting that docu-series that I mentioned before. Right. And so I was just kind of getting into acting. So it was a combination of I did want to be healthier because I I was I wasn't having health issues at the moment other than like high cholesterol, uh, but that's unfortunately genetic, so that has nothing to do with my weight. But my doctor basically sat me down and had a conversation of like, look, so you're fine now, but if you keep going the direction you're going, this isn't going to look good. And I didn't like the idea of being told that I might die, so I wanted to change that. At the time, I was also smoking cigarettes too, so I quit smoking and lost. What am I at now? 90 pounds. Wow. Amazing. Good for you. Thank you. Well, what was your process for transforming yourself? Was it the Atkins diet? Oh, no. So I didn't go on a diet. Um, so what I did was I just watched what I ate and just started exercising more. I think by the, I mean, I unfortunately don't, I didn't stick to this exercise um, regimen. I wish I did, but I think at the height of it, I was running about three miles a day, every day, and then doing other things cut some things out, added other things, like added more veggies, added more lean meats, took out some carbs where I could. I didn't entirely take them out, but I was definitely eating too many carbs because they're my friend. Yeah, I'm addicted to carbs. I don't know that I could completely cut them out ever. My wife actually has a really good saying is that it's not about going on a diet. It's about changing your diet to something that's more sustainable long term. And that's kind of what I did was I... I, di I didn't think I'd be able to keep to a diet, so I changed my diet to something that was more feasible, that I could keep long-term so that I didn't gain the weight back. Awesome. I think a lot of people, when they hear, you know, oh, you have to go on a diet from their doctor, they think they have to starve themselves, and that's not true. My family, when I was growing up, they did a lot of the Weight Watchers and the Atkins diets and all of those things. So there's usually an endpoint to those diets. It's like you do this, get to a goal, and then you stop. Well, the problem with that is, is you don't keep following that diet and if you go right back to how you were eating then you're just going to gain the weight back so long term yeah long term the diets don't really do anything unless you stick with it forever which a lot of people don't want to do um and yet starving is never the answer starving is that that's that doesn't that actually makes it worse because it shrinks your stomach um so then when you do eat it's just it's going to give you a lot of other issues um, and your body's going to pull from other resources that um, it shouldn't be pulling energy from. Yeah, that's true. Well, I'm glad you were able to make a positive change for yourself. 
Thank you. Well, something else that's positive is your experience working with Wendy Latella. I had worked on a different short story of hers as well. So what did you gain from that experience? So I love Wendy. She's great. Um, I was in, I actually did two things with her. I did a stage production that she did here in Fredericksburg, Virginia. It was a stage performance called Dearly Departed that was a, a comedy. And then I did her, I believe it was for her film degree that she was getting. And she made a movie that was called Life in Five, which I thought was extremely creative because it basically went, it told the life of a woman in five minutes with very little lines. Wow. Um, in fact, yeah. So it showed her from like a kid and then she went into adolescence and then she went to college and then she got married and then she had kids and then she got older and then her kids were saying bye to her. Um, and it was this story that was connected by one line, really, that was basically, the line was, are you ready yet? Um, which you could apply to going to school, to getting married, to having kids, to departing from this world. Um, so I thought it was really, really cool. And I played the uh, the young husband. That was that was my name in that. That was my character's name in that one. So I was the husband to the, um, to the uh, main actress. But that was a really cool experience to see a story that kind of story being told in that format in such a short time frame. So I thought she did really well with that. And did you guys get any awards? We did. She sent it to one that was called the Christian Film Festival. And we actually got I uh, well, not just me, a lot of me and my other co-stars got uh, Best Actor Award at the Christian Film Festival. So I guess technically you can say in quotations, I'm an award winning actor, I suppose. Congratulations. I do want to get to our big budget DC Comics film. <laughs> yeah. But what's been one of your favorite on screen projects yeah. you've acted in thus far? Excluding our DC comic film. Yes. There was a project I did. It was a web series I did in Maryland. It was called uh, Command the Series. And it was, it's come out, so I can, I can talk about it. Um, okay. But uh, it's basically this individual, he's not doing very well in his life. I'm not playing this individual. I actually play the, the main antagonist of the first season. So I'm their big boss at the end of the season that they have okay. to beat. Um, <clears throat> They, he gets gifted this power to uh, to command anybody to do whatever he wants as long as he has skin to skin contact with them. So if they if he touches their shirt, it doesn't work. He has to like touch their arm or their hand or something like that. And it only lasts for a couple seconds. Um, so I play an individual in that in the first season that suffers from some mental illnesses. I believe it was. Um, the directors told me it was probably some form of functioning schizophrenia because he's able to have a job. He's, he's not, de, you know, he's not, he's not um, committed or anything like that. Um, okay. And he gets this power used on him by a different character a little too many times to the point to where it kind of messes with that, with his, his psyche that he, that he has. Um, and he starts hallucinating other things that are more pertaining to what the uh, other character has been telling him. And uh, he goes he goes a bit insane. I'll just say that. Um, and starts stalking one of the characters and kidnapping them and forcing them to do things and, and things like that. So that was probably I enjoyed doing that because 
I've within the last couple of years, I've been cast as a lot of villain roles. And I enjoy doing villain roles if they have depth to them. I often play the the asshole boyfriend. I've played that a lot. You're playing a regurgitated stereotype. So when I get to play people like uh, his name was uh, David, the character I was talking about from Command the Series, and I get to play somebody who's has a lot of depth to them. There's a reason for why they're they're they are the way that they are. To me, that's that's like the golden ticket right there of of acting as a villain. Yeah, because it's three dimensional and it's human. It is, and it's a situation because you get to play with the psychology of that of you know, this situation could be cast on five different people and all of them react differently to this. Why is this person reacting differently than, say, this person over here would be acting differently if this were to happen to them? Um, what are the motivators? What are their traumas? What are their experiences? Why are they behaving this way um, in this situation? And it was, to, to me, there was that was a very challenging role. I had to dive really deep for that. Yeah. Because usually I can I can um, relate to something with somebody, but there wasn't really a whole lot I could relate with that because I don't suffer from schizophrenia or other mental illnesses. Um, and obviously, I've never been exposed to a magical power that makes me do things for people. So um, I had to really dig deep for that role um, and, and, and channel that suffering and channel that confusion and channel that yearning and that urge for a sense of justice that was not being given to him. That one was really challenging and very rewarding at the very end of it because I wanted to tell a story of this guy, David, who, yeah, he may be doing some messed up stuff, but he he's not all in control of what he's doing. There's a shred of victimhood in there because he's not fully in control of what's happening. And when we had the screening, I had people come up to me and say, man, I really felt for him. And I said, perfect, thank you. Then his story's being told correctly. Yeah, it sounds like a deep role that you could really sink your teeth into. Well, you're able to sing and play the guitar. So did you take music lessons when you were little? I took some when I was younger. So I, I know, like, I can't do anything crazy, but I can do some chords and maybe some, like, simple songs and things like that. I've taken some light piano lessons, nothing crazy or anything. I can't, I, I'm not going to get up there and perform at a concert at, like, a piano bar or something. It's not, nothing like that. But you were a semifinalist for Country Idol. So what was that about? I almost puked. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they had a local country singing competition. And I went and gave it a try because at the time I was on a, on a big country music kick. I actually don't sing a whole lot of country anymore. I've actually gra gravitated more towards uh, either rock or folk music. I had done some singing here and there, like, you know, karaoke and just for fun and some open mic maybe here and there just to give it like, this sounds cool. This sounds fun. Let me give it a try. And I got through and I was able to go and perform at one of the local venues down here. Obviously, I was a semifinalist, so I didn't I didn't make it to the end. But I'll say the first time I got up and sang for that, I was in front of a crowd. I mean, it wasn't a huge it wasn't like stadium seating, but it was the biggest crowd I had ever performed for. It was like plus hundreds of people. Wow. I was so nervous. I was like, there's so many people. They're going to hear me sing. There's something vulnerable about singing that I, that I don't, because like when I'm acting, I'm playing a character. So to me, I'm able to kind of be like, okay, well, this isn't me right now. This is this person. I'm telling their story. I'll be me when it's done. Singing. No, you're you. You're getting up there. You're throwing your, you're, you're throwing your vulnerability out there for people and you hope that they like it. 
Now, recently, I have been taking uh, singing lessons to to beef that up because my wife and I are actually auditioning for a local production of uh, Guys and Dolls. Break legs with that. Thank you. Yeah. At least you're trying all these things out. That's pretty awesome. There's been a lot of things in, in, in life that have dealt with anxiety that have stopped me from, from doing it. Um, it still happens, but I try not to let it control me because I want to try. I like doing new things and learning new things. Thank you so much for spending some time with me. Anytime. I, this, was, this was great. I love talking about um, this side of my life. Thanks for hopping on by to listen to Justin. Don't forget to leave a comment for us and to tune in for the next episode of Cielo Vision.